Town Bank Mortgage. NMLS number 512138 is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the Monday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. For those watching, you got to enjoy me trying to start the show, not realizing that my mic was muted. It happens. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, so it is the Monday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am the aforementioned host of this podcast, Tyler Crawley, and it is a busy Monday, mostly because of what happened on Friday. We got the big monthly jobs report, and my God, it was horrible. <laughs> well, it was great, but it was horrible for real estate uh, and in particularly mortgage rates because it was way hotter than what they were thinking. Once again, another month, another way too hot jobs report. So we will talk about what's happening with the 10 year. We got some good news coming out of Europe and we got the uh, Black Knight Mark- Market Monitor report, which of course looks at home prices as well as what's happening uh, in the real estate industry inventory and pretty much exactly what you would expect to see home prices up a little bit uh, year over year prices still declining and inventory levels almost non-existent so uh, like I said it's it's busy for a Monday morning and I guess we'll start we got to start with the jobs report that came out on Friday a hotly anticipated. After we got the debt ceiling deal, everyone was very excited. We saw the 10-year fall from 3.81% to 3.61%. That is where the 10-year opened on Friday. We got the debt deal. Everyone was very excited. We thought, here we go. Rates are going to keep falling. We're going to you know, get back down maybe in that mid-six range, maybe even six and a quarter. Wouldn't that be awesome? And then the jobs report came out. <laughs> <laughs> the good news did not last long. Uh, yeah, so for the month of May, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, total non-farm payroll increased 339,000. That was up from the almost 300,000 that we saw in April. And in fact, it was the highest number that we have seen since January. Like I said, great report for the economy. I mean, the, the economy is still doing very well. Uh, not so great with regards to what the Fed may do. Uh, the one maybe bright spot was the unemployment rate rose to 3.1%, up 0.3 percentage points from March, and the highest level that we have seen since October 2022. And why this report was so unfortunate was economists we're projecting 195,000. They thought we were going to see just under 200,000, and instead we got almost 350,000. So where is this job creation happening? Well, unlike the ADP report, ADP said most of the job gains were in leisure and hospitality. According to the non-farm payroll, 
professional and business services saw the biggest increase 64,000 new jobs in May. Government, yay, took the number two spot. 56,000 new jobs, healthcare close behind at 52,000, and then leisure and hospitality at 48,000 new jobs in May. And it should be noted about leisure and hospitality, you know, they've been growing pretty steadily uh, compared to everything else. I mean, they're always in the top, you know, three or four. And in this case, or I should say, it's still the only category that is below the February 2020 level. So every single other industry at some point reached and surpassed their pre-pandemic levels, leisure and hospitality is still 350,000 jobs short, which let's just say they keep creating jobs at the same rate. It's like nine months away. <laughs> so they, they, they may not recover fully from the pandemic until 2024 if they continue, if they continue seeing job growth at this rate, which would be surprising because once again, the Fed is trying to slow that down. So it'll be very interesting to see when leisure and hospitality gets back to that 2020 level. And of course, you know, when you account for population growth, that number should be even higher. It's like inflation with regards to population. You have to account for it. And so even if it gets to that pre-pandemic level, it still should be higher looking at a normal economy. Now, some good news for housing is construction added 25,000 jobs. That's almost 50% above their 17,000 12-month average. So once again evidence that because of where inventory levels are builders are building and there's your example they are hiring <laughs> i mean 50 percent above a 12-month average is uh is a big jump anyway you look at it uh and then another kind of bright spot wages continue to rise as the labor market remains tight and obviously companies either have to incentivize their employees to stay or incentivize other employees to leave their firms and companies and come to theirs. And so how do you do that? Usually wage increases, average, average hourly earnings for all employees on private non-farm payrolls rose to $33 and 44 cents. That is up 0.3% from April and up 4.3% from one year ago. Now, unfortunately, that 4.3% number increase year over year means that real wages are still lagging behind inflation. The projection is that May CPI will be at about 4.7%. So they're still behind the rate of inflation, which explains why retail numbers have been slowing. And when you look at sort of real dollars, they're actually falling a little bit. Uh, at least according, I think, to the last report is when we finally saw that. But then here was something that was also surprising about the jobs report. Revisions. So a lot of people have been wondering whether or not these monthly reports are accurate. You know, they're saying, oh, we're seeing all these headlines about layoffs. This morning I saw Spotify it's laying people off. We've seen Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, media companies. But a lot of people have said, hey, you know, those companies get a lot of attention from the media. Uh, obviously, media layoffs are going to get attention from the media, as well as tech and finance 
because those are big industries that, you know, pretty much everyone in media kind of follows because they kind of indirectly impact it would be sort of, you know, kind of like politics. However, the other parts of the economy that get less attention, less headlines are still doing very well and going strong. And if these reports weren't accurate, you would see these big revisions downward when they finally kind of got more data. And what was crazy about the last report is there were two months, you know, they always have two months of provisions, the last two reports. And in this case, they both were revised upward somewhat significantly. So March was revised up by 52,000, which means 217,000 jobs were created in March and April was revised upward by 41,000, now 294,000. So that means the last two months, we actually saw almost 100,000 more jobs created than we originally thought. And so what does this mean? Well, we all know what it means. It means the Fed still has work to do. (laughs) Even though the Fed did, what was it? Eight consecutive rate hikes, and more than likely next week they're going to meet. They're probably not going to raise rates. They're probably going to continue with the pause unless something crazy happens with CPI. Like if CPI came in way higher than they thought, PCE already was worse than expected uh, with regards to inflation, which is the Fed's preferred gauge of inflation. But I still think the Fed's going to pause, but it's very likely that they're going to increase at the next meeting, not, not, not next week, but after that, they're going to go, okay, now we got to start rates again. If these jobs reports continue to be hot. And I think Larry Summers said he tweeted over the weekend. And I, I can't remember if he said, he said 50 basis points next, next hike. And I don't know if he meant like, yeah, they should do it this meeting or the next one, but people are already talking about 50 bips. (laughs) They already are. Um, and it was funny this morning. I saw this headline over at the Wall Street Journal. It says Wall Street backs off bets on Fed rate cuts. <laughs> yeah. Duh. <laughs> Anyone that thought that rate cuts were going to be happening in 2023. Uh, mm, bad bet. That, that, I mean, I always thought that was going to be a bad bet. But now it looks like a unless something just absolutely breaks in the economy that causes mass layoffs and just huge problems. A lot of, you know, bank runs, something, something crazy happens. Um, the likelihood of there being a rate cut seems minute. And so I thought that was funny this morning. Wall Street Journal's like, well, Wall Street's backing off those bets. And speaking of what's happening with interest rates, of course, the 30-year fixed follows the 10-year. That's why I always talk about it here on this podcast and in uh, my morning newsletter, which you, you can subscribe to at tylercrawley.substack.com. The 10-year, so last year, last week, it ended the previous Friday at 3.81%. Everyone worried about the debt deal. Debt deal announced last weekend, not this weekend, but the weekend prior. And all of a sudden, the 10-year started falling. And 30-year mortgage rates were falling. Nothing crazy, but some good movement. And Thursday morning, on the debt ceiling deal passing both the House and the Senate at that point, going to President Biden's desk, the 10-year was down to 3.61%, 20 basis points. Then the jobs report came out. And on Friday alone, they lost half of their gains, the 10-year did, and ended the week almost at 3.7%. And now... 
as we get ready to open, the 10-year has now moved up almost five basis points to 3.74%. So we are now only seven basis points away from where we were uh, before the debt ceiling deal was announced. That sucks. No other way to put it. That sucks. But that, unfortunately, is where we are. I did want to give you a heads up on what is going to be happening today. Well, we got the home price data from Black Knight. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, Inventory data from Altos Research, eh, you know, which these are kind of minor reports. They're not going to be any big uh, market moves. And this week is just kind of, slow overall. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be getting some home price data from CoreLogic. We got the economic optimism index from IBD. We got UK home prices, mortgage demand is normal, trade deficit, and then consumer credit on Wednesday. And then Thursday, we got GDP growth rate in the euro area, jobless claims, mortgage rate data, and then China's inflation rate. So there's no real big reports this week that are going to move the market one way or the other, uh, at least with regards to interest rates. Nothing's really going to give us an indicator. Uh, that's going to happen tomorrow, or excuse me, next week, when we get CPI and then the Fed meeting. <laughs> so that's really going to be impactful on what is happening with rates. So after last week's craziness, we got kind of a down week, a little breather, if you will. And then it's going to be another crazy week the week after that. So I mentioned the Black Knight report. We'll talk about this in more detail on tomorrow's show, mostly because I just don't have time to, I mean, this came out three minutes before I did the show. So I just didn't have time to break it down. Luckily, to Black Knight's credit, they give you kind of a synopsis of what's in the report and the data that really matters, home prices. And April seasonally adjusted um home price increased 0.46%, which was roughly on par with the 30-year average of about 0.48% and would equate to a 5.5 annualized growth rate if, of course, sustained uh, for 12 months. That's interesting. So that's I think that's the third month in a row that we have seen home prices increase month over month after I think about eight months of declines in home prices month over month. But here's interesting. Or here's something that's interesting. (laughs) Here's interesting. (laughs) Needed a word in there. Uh, Despite prices firming, growth slipped to 0% year over year. That is the first time there has not been an increase in the year over year data, according to Black Knight, since the recovery from the Great Recession. So we're finally reaching this kind of interesting place where year-over-year numbers are flat, if not negative. We haven't gone negative with the big um, Case-Shiller report. You know, could that happen, you know, this month when we get the report later this month, or could it happen the month after? I think everyone's saying definitely, either this month or next month. Uh, But what's interesting is the month-over-month numbers are positive and kind of in line with where you'd see a sort of normalized housing market. But this is not a normalized housing market because inventory levels remain depressed. And so that's why you have not seen anywhere near 
the home price declines that some of the crash bros were calling for with mortgage rates tripling in some cases, <laughs> depending on where you locked, let's just say doubling. Um, you would think you would see a bigger slide in home prices. And the reason you're not is inventory levels and having worsened in eight of the past nine months on a seasonally adjusted basis for sale. Inventory is now at the lowest level since April, 2022 with inventory deteriorating in 95% of major markets to start 2023. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, this, once again, this goes back to that Altos data that we talked about on uh, last week, which inventory levels are down from the start of the year, like 10, 15%, which is crazy because in a normal housing market from January to the beginning of June, normally you see an increase in housing inventory. And we're not seeing that. <laughs> so not only did it not see an increase in inventory, we saw a decrease in inventory. So we'll, we'll break this report down in more detail tomorrow. I don't have time to, to kind of go through it. I just didn't. So that's what we'll do on tomorrow's show. We'll talk about Altos's uh, inventory data as well. I have a feeling. Let's hope it's, let's hope it's good, um, but more than likely it won't be. But this report is showing us kind of what we already know. Month over month, we're seeing a little bit of, little bit of price increase. Year over year, flattening out, if not going slightly negative, and inventory still remains a problem. And that is keeping prices high, which is hurting affordability, which they talk about here. Uh, nationally, it now takes about 34% of the median household income to make a principal and interest payment on the median priced home purchase with 20% down using a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. And that number has gone up because home prices have increased a little bit while mortgage rates have jumped a lot. And so that's, that's why you're seeing an affordability issue. And so that's why it's important that we see rates not stay in the 7% range and hopefully uh, fall, but they're not going to be falling anytime soon with jobs reports like the one that we got on Friday. All right, that is it. We're going to wrap things up. We'll talk about this report in more detail on Tuesday's show along with Altos data. Oh, I forgot to mention in Europe. I forgot. I said good news out of Europe. I mean, it's kind of good news. So producer prices, which kind of front run inflation data uh, fell to just 1% year over year in Europe. I think at one point they were like at 45%. So they're down pretty significantly from uh, the highs that we never saw 45%. I think we saw like maybe 15% here in the United States. So that was the good news out of Europe. So wanted to make sure I mentioned that um, before we go. Cause I did like, tell you, you mentioned Europe. You didn't say anything about it. There you go. That's what I was. That's what I was referencing. All right, you guys enjoy your Monday. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday morning for another edition of markets and mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. 